recording, technically. And you were just saying that it is a strange time for crypto and NFTs as if they, by nature, are not strange for the times. You're right. But it is. It's a super strange time. I mean, it's a really exciting time. I feel, and I've said this to you before, uh, I feel a, a lot of anxiety when I think about NFTs because although the people who were early adopters and who have made money and done and made moves are, would say like, oh, it's still in its infancy, you know, this is like the explosion of the work that's happened last year and the changes. Um, I feel like personally understanding the space, not necessarily getting in, in, in involved in like buying NFTs, although I know some people who have done a lot, have made a lot of money being like the early buyers, especially when Ethereum was at like $500, $300 a coin. Like some of the NFTs that I sold, someone was laughing. I saw someone from a jujitsu was laughing and he was, he was saying, I can't believe I paid that for your, your NFT. And I was like, yeah, well, that's like back when that amount of Ethereum wasn't what it is today, you know? So it is what it is. Um, but uh, I guess I, I've just been having a lot of really interesting conversations around what NFTs are going to be for the people who are not early adopters and not crypto enthusiasts. And I think scaling it in a way that's super important for people who don't have any crypto, but have a credit card, like that's when, when adoption is really going to explode. And that's coming like now, that's what's going to happen now. So I think, I think for me, you know, I, I will be dropping another NFT drop as an experiment, um, again, to kind of understand the space. I'm not trying to become a creator necessarily, although I create for fun, but I think like understanding and being able to talk to businesses and brands about what the opportunity in the space is like, that's, what's really interesting to me and seeing like which projects are coming online and why they're being successful or what the power of this in the future is. But um, I don't know, what did you, I guess, if you want to like kind of ground us in like the discussion, did you have like kind of an outline or how did you want to start? I think you're an interesting person to talk to about NFTs because you um, are not in the NFT business. That's not what it says on your business card. Mm -hmm. You are in a business that is going to be one of the integral aspects of what NFTs involve into. Yeah, I think and so. And that gives you a unique insight into where they actually fit into a business and a social structure. Mm -hmm. And right. And because so much liquidity is now in the blockchain, meaning there are so many people who own a little crypto or own an NFT or use a service that has to do with blockchain. It's something that a speculator needs to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. It is in my opinion, though, still speculation as far as what's going to happen. And yeah. so a, a conversation with you is like batching more data mm -hmm. because it gives input on you know, the scope of what these things can do. And mm -hmm. I also, as a speculator, want to remind people how cyclic human life tends to be, even as we innovate. 
and remind them that just because they're being marketed crypto or NFTs doesn't mean that they aren't in part a phenomenon like many other things that already exist in this mm -hmm. country. Yeah, they're for built instance, on a framework of what came before, for sure. You know, the, and what needs were in, well, anyway, we can break it down a little bit more. Sorry, I interrupted. Go on. Oh, you're all good. The fact that in the last 10 years, everyone has gotten a smartphone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to change my sound really quick before. Yeah, man. Do you? Your problem. Do you hear a little snapping and popping? Not at all. I think it's my... I'm not picking it up at all. And I'm wearing my, you know, my noise canceling. Good. So it's probably not ending up on the final recording. Yeah. Anyway, what I was getting at was in the last 10 years, everyone's gotten these phones in their pockets. And in the last five years, developers have started making apps that really work. Yeah. Almost on the level of like the UI of that Apple is known for why it exists. Yeah. Yeah. And. I'm not sure I understand. Shut the fuck <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're in the metaverse bro you're oh deep my. into it i i am i'm all in what's up dearly girl things like robin hood appeared mm -hmm. that made finance easy to do yeah and i noticed as someone who was trading before i was i was probably mid-adoption of online day trading which mm -hmm. was several years before phone investing or speculating kind of different things yeah. with, with real trading, you're using actual charts and analysis. You're not just scouring Google for what the first thing to pop up was. And what I noticed was there was never so much excitement from the general public about a stock as the pot stocks. Mm. And there was a perfect storm of reasons why that would be exciting. There were some basic concepts like prohibition that people could equate to, oh, if that gets lifted and this is what the value of these things is right now, these could rocket in value. Right. And it was treated as a potential gold rush, a potential mm -hmm. gold rush that involved no actual work no actual mining, right? That's one of the things I love about crypto is that they, they've named it mining, but no one's mining anything. No. However, they are, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're collecting and storing energy, but no one, like no one's biceps are getting bigger from, no. from crypto mining. It was a very easy thing to do, and yet it was people's first exposure to understanding a supply chain or a relationship to regulation like okay we've got mm -hmm. growers we've got suppliers we've got this and we've got that and it's illegal in some places and legal in some places and the feel-good hormones for people of understanding a basic supply chain made them think because that gives us confidence right a lot of people thought oh shit like i know something nobody else does right now yeah. I just need to find the right stock. I've, That's I've, speculation. I've opened, I've opened Pandora's box. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, the whole industry sucked. Right. Not that it won't in the future, but people who really, for instance, you know, I, I have been in the marijuana industry and I knew that we were nowhere near having these things just get legalized. Sure, on sure. On the level that people needed for these companies to actually, 
equal their their valuations right because, because tilray people bought it up and were paying 79 dollars a share doesn't mean that they have the the actual numbers of sales and profits and volume to justify that valuation of the company. Mm -hmm. And when the valuation doesn't equal the potential profit, investors who have big stakes sell their, their shares and they go elsewhere. And then other people who are, don't have, they call them paper hands, they go ahead and sell. Yeah. And then you've destroyed, then you've destroyed a stock. The way it looked to me, other than this is a new, uh, something new where people are interested in the stock market. It wasn't about pot stocks to me. It was all of a sudden people are using stock terminology. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, what it looked like to me is just a new fad of people collecting things. Right. And I remembered when people, and this is relevant now because people play again or still play, but there was a rush on magic cards because certain mm -hmm. ones were going to have incredible value. When I was right. a kid, I did the same right. thing with baseball cards. And the Black Lotus. Black Lotus was like the most rare Magic the Gathering card of first edition. Yeah, I remember everyone was trying sure. to open up packs to get one. Yeah. And as kids, we could go to vendors who mm -hmm. grab them at stores and we could hope to find that. Right. And we thought this was kind of unique to what we're doing. Mm -hmm. However there were 70 year old ladies who had been driving because they had cars when we didn't have cars as six year olds mm -hmm. around neighborhoods all over cities for 40 years antiquing. Right. And many of them were, had watched that antiques roadshow on PBS mm -hmm. and were living with the delusion that they were going to find the next underappreciated trinket. Right. And they were going to buy all of those trinkets. They're going to buy a thousand for $20. And then at, through trade shows and then through eBay starting in the 90s, I believe, the late 90s, early 2000s. Collectors from all over the world are, were going to decide that these things were valuable mm -hmm. and there, there would be, they would be scarce. And that was part of antiquing, right? You'd want to know what was scarce and valuable. And it was a really, it is a really arbitrary pursuit because you could see literally anything ever produced in right. someone's garage. So you're just going right. to study everything. Like at least right. within the stock market, you're studying company evaluations on, mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's, there's some limit, but that's a limitless pursuit, which is why it's pretty much nonsense. And that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that sometimes people end up with something important that they right. sell to somebody for cheap out of their garage. But the number of times that happens that makes a millionaire is rare incredibly it, rare i mean pointless. infinitesimally yeah, it's, rare yeah it's yeah. infinitesimally rare yeah and what i see is i see digital antiquing going on right now mm -hmm. yep within markets where people know there is potential value for instance yeah. there are people who day trade bitcoin mm -hmm. and, and uh tasty tasty works is a broker that i use and they have options on bitcoin futures mm -hmm. so you can you can really speculate and use derivatives and, and leverage. And oh my golly, the, the Bitcoin price could move $2 and you could make $200,000. Right, right. I would tell you, don't try to do that because <laughs> if it worked, if it was, worked well, everyone would be doing it. But sure. it's just another place where people can try to make money. But people see, okay, this Bitcoin is valuable but I don't want to learn all of that math and stuff. And it may not be worth yeah. my time because it's not a yeah. guarantee I'll make money. 
So right. I'm going to use my phone and I'm going to keep looking around until I find something that someone agrees might be the next undiscovered big deal. Mm -hmm. And what's nice about that as a byproduct is that it has gotten people learning the language of finance and mm -hmm. it's gotten people understanding inflation, shit like that. And all of a sudden you've got young people being like, yo, Jerome Powell, Federal Reserve, Joe Biden, you guys are fucking lying about this transitory inflation. My meat mm -hmm. is $15. It was nine. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Gas, with is, this. gas is $5 a gallon. Just, yeah. yeah. You just printed $10 trillion. And I know basic math, and I know that Bitcoin goes up in value partially because there's a fixed number of coins. You can't just keep right. adding shit. Right. You're going to blow right. up my gains, dude. Right. And those things are nice because mm -hmm. that actually helps people in life, and that actually could help voters ask for a, a more true form of capitalism or a more true form of socialism, whatever they decide. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that could allow them to demand more transparency from regulators and politicians who rig a system. Right. And that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be rules and regulations. They, it just means that there should be um, some reform to, mm -hmm. to the overreach that those people have because they, they, for actually up until now in the history pretty much of the world, the overseers, people in, in power, the educated could, could mansplain. <laughs> they could, <laughs> they could confuse a lower class who was not, not financially literate. And, sure. And or didn't have behind. the, they didn't have the entry point either. Right. Because a lot of that, even if you are financially literate, you know, let's be real. There is something to be said about how the, the wealth that you were born into, you know, and kind of what your starting point is like some people's starting point is way beyond others, you know, and it really depends on, you know, I think to both those factors is, and, and, you, and you in get general to know what too, you use. Yeah, exactly. If you're, if you're using money from day one, you, it behooves you to learn money a little bit. Right. And the opposite tends to happen, you know, and I'm not, I'm speaking from personal experience too. I mean, I think sometimes too, like if, if there is some comfort earlier in life, you know, you, you take things for granted that you wouldn't, if there was more scarcity. Um, and I think that, you know, the people who have more scarcity earlier in life, I think sometimes are way more responsible in the long term, sometimes with their money than, 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 than for those who had, and just then don't really think about like 20 bucks is a, a much different amount of money to somebody based on who you ask, you know, it could yes. be, Oh, it's just 20 bucks. That's fine. Oh no, that's 20 bucks. I'm not spending that, you know, yes. two different, conversations and that's happening in the household currently surrounding the topic of Christmas presents, which is, you know, one of those things where you're like, okay, like what, what am what's I spending reasonable. it on and why right. and what's reasonable, you know? And I think that that's a fair question to ask, especially after the last couple of years, you know, like what, what is it, you know, what, what is our cost of consumption? I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but like, you know, if we just, if we can kind of get back onto the track of what you were saying, but like scarcity, is an important thing to keep in the back of our minds when we talk about this conversation too, you know, with NFTs, with crypto, et cetera. Because to your point, you can't continuously print money and not have negative effects on the value of said money when you've been doing it for, you know, the last two years, uninhibited 
in order to try to keep an economy afloat uh, because of extemporaneous circumstances like a pandemic, you know? Great word. Pretty much the moment I turned 18, I was dirt poor. Mm -hmm. And for like two years of my life, uh, actually, I guess it was 18 months, I carried credit card debt. Mm -hmm. This was around the age of 27. I needed to move. I didn't have, you know, you know, moving, you got to pack your shit and you got to drive and you, yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have the money. I didn't have the money to figure out my move. And I put it on a credit card that had no interest for 18 months. It's the first time ever doing that. I've been dirt poor, never gone into debt on a credit card for mm -hmm. a, a decade practically. And then I get to Chicago and I have a terrible boss who had told me that I was going to be making above $70,000 moving there. And instead I was making $25,000 and he took the patients that I was supposed to be taking over and said that I was only supposed to be making that money if it was a percentage of patients I was seeing. Jesus Christ. Talk about a piece of shit, right? Yeah. And so I couldn't afford to live in Chicago with what he was mm -hmm. paying me. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I got close to that 18 months of no interest. And I realized I wasn't going to be able to pay these, these few thousand back mm -hmm. on time. And the whole plan was once I got to Chicago, I'll be making minimum $70,000. And then every patient I got on top of that, Mm -hmm. I would be making a percentage of. So it was very realistic right. for like within five years, making a hundred thousand dollars. That was right. his scam. That wasn't real. That was his, right, his fake right, business. Right. And, and that's what he had done to everyone who'd worked for him. I came to find out, but that didn't happen. And so my planning for the future fell apart and I got on the phone with my dad and said, I'm so I'm embarrassed, but I don't fucking understand money. Mm -hmm. I have spent all this time becoming a, a chiropractor and I had also gone back to school as a postgraduate and studied neurology. And I had dedicated my life up to this point in helping humans be healthy. Mm -hmm. and, and within that, it wasn't the comp, but I had originally dedicated my life to fixing fake problems that I had been told were with me and trying to help my mom who had these mm -hmm. mystery diseases, supposedly. Mm -hmm when I was mm -hmm. in my early 20s. I just dedicated my life to trying to help my family and then trying to help humankind. And because of that, I'm stupid. This is, and I don't even know how to go find a job to pay me the right amount of money. I don't understand this. Yeah. And I understand, Dad, and I'm sorry that it's because I didn't pay enough attention in the right parts of school or I didn't study the right shit or I've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. Can you please help me? Mm -hmm. Should I, what do I do to understand money? Because he had always prided himself on telling me that he saved a lot of money mm -hmm. and he had always, um, I'd never seen him overspend on an, anything right. <laughs> my entire life. Right. So I, I figured he understood money and he was like, all right, I'm going to help you get a budget and then we're going to talk through how that goes. 
And so I put together a budget, how much I need for food, how much I need for my, my bus and subway pass to get around Chicago, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and then he told me what I had always been, been told is you have to save a little each month. Mm -hmm. That was, that was what I was taught about finance is you right. keep your overhead low in life and you save a little each month. And, and so, so he general, he, he not explained specific. to me, yeah. yes, he explained to me, yeah. we're, we're going to get your budget and then you're going to save a little each month. And mm -hmm. with what you save, you're going to pay off your credit card. And I do this and three or four months go and the interest is kind of building on my credit card. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and I, had, I, had, I was working for a different chiropractor. And I'm like, dad, I didn't, I didn't go to the bar. I didn't buy a drink. I didn't, my, but I don't get enough money for my budget. Mm -hmm. I had three roommates or two room. I don't get enough right. money for my budget. I'm doing something wrong here. <laughs> so then that guy gets in trouble with the IRS and that business falls apart mm -hmm. and I have no money again, and I'm forced to go into a little more credit card debt. I take out another mm -hmm. credit card, and like this mm -hmm. all goes on pause. Several years go by. I get out of debt. I work with a good chiropractor. I started business in a different area. I changed my life. And then I find myself getting into investing and trading and spending no time studying to help humankind and understand the human body. I take that study time that I, I'm kind of been bred into doing and I committed mm -hmm. to understanding finance mm -hmm. There's many things I don't know. My whole point is that I now know mm -hmm. I couldn't make enough money to have a good right. budget. It didn't, right. I wasn't making enough money. Right. That was yeah. the, that was the problem. And yeah, before and that, not only in my that, life, the cost, the cost of living too has changed. Right. It's not even, I mean, it's, it's the, only gotten the, the equation has shifted. The equation has shifted, you know, people who don't have a lot of money are very disincentivized to learn about money. Mm -hmm. And this just reinforces what you had said about how you know, a small person now can invest. They can mm -hmm. have a little investment. They can have a little crypto and it mm -hmm. causes them to learn. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so I don't, I understand the societal reasons why so many people in the, the lower middle class and lower class have zero financial liter literacy. Mm -hmm. It's unfortunate because instead they spend their time learning how to waste money. Right. And, and that's unfortunate. But now we have this, this thing where someone could take $10 and have bought Doge at the right time. Yeah. And they could have turned that into $10,000. And so yeah. there's that potential to actually make some real wealth from your phone. And the nice trade-off about that is that if you take $10, no matter how poor you are and gamble it on Doge and learn all the ins and outs of how you're going to, going to do this and trade out of it, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. then you just got a financial education for $10. That's a pretty cool trick. Yeah, it is a cool trick. And I think that, you know, to segue kind of into what we wanted to talk about today. I think, I think the bedrock of, well, first of all, let's, let's be, let's, let's start at the very macro. Okay. 
financial literacy is something that you have to experiment with and learn, right? There are many methods and just like with weight loss or with anything that takes time, it takes time. And I think also that like one of the challenges that we face uh, as, and I'm sorry about the siren, uh, it's Chicago. Uh, one of the, one of the challenges. Yeah. Right. One of the challenges I think that we face is, as human beings is this, uh, this immediate kind of um, dopamine hit response that we want. And I know uh, everyone's been talking about social media and the complexities of what that kind of exerts on our psyche and kind of also being able to check our devices, have this basic, you know, I mean, have essentially a, one of those plungers for your dopamine hit when you look at your phone, right? So I think, I think what's happening is the pandemic has accelerated a lot of really crazy innovation and it's also accelerated people's need and understanding uh, and, and want, I said, to understand financial stuff and to kind of take risks because they're realizing that some of the decisions that are being made by governments, some of the policy that's being made has a direct and I would I would even say, you know, in some ways economically detrimental effects. And I don't know enough and I don't necessarily want to get into the discussion about like what moves should have been made or not because they've been made, you know, and at this point it's like you gotta play with the the the, the hand that you're being dealt on a daily basis. I think one of the things that has happened, at least from like a digital standpoint, is that we've been thrust uh, into a habit of, of being online, of being on our phones, of watching, streaming, et cetera, because we were also forced in certain places to be in our house and not go outside for a long period of time. So I think this innovation and this really exciting stuff that's happening in the blockchain space in, in, in tech in general and the way that we interface with, you know, technology, whatever the metaverse is going to mean to us, it's only been accelerated by all of this. So I, I see that like NFTs, cryptocurrency are a, a very small fraction of a really democratized, let's start with democratized first kind of like interaction with, uh, with marketplaces that has happened because people are freaking out about like what's happening around them and trying to control and make more money those who are entrepreneurial or who want to speculate. Um, and then, you know, taking that even one step further, it's like, okay, now the marketplaces are changing and there's new ones being added. So cryptocurrency, let's say the blockchain is a new market space, right? Uh, let's talk about like, you know, NFTs being its own kind of niche market within the cryptocurrency kind of, you know, overarching technology. So I think what we're seeing is like choices are growing exponentially. And that means choices in like how you identify yourself, how you interface with reality, you know, uh, because I think that some of our actual physical choices were taken away from us in an interesting, in an interesting like juxtaposition. So now we're being, we're, we're, we're adopting habits that are sci-fi in nature, really, because we've been forced to kind of make our world be really small. I mean, obviously we're, you're in California, I'm in Illinois. We're having this great conversation and the support, the, um, the stability of these, of these tools has only increased since everyone had to rely on them. Right. So now we're seeing kind of these 
branches off the main tree of technology that are taking things into directions that many people weren't even expecting. And while most people play on like the trunk, the branches have some really interesting things happening. Now, will those branches get sick and fall off? Probably some of them, you know, will some bear fruit? I mean, not to really hit the metaphor on the head, but like they could, you know? And so now it's like, the real question is how are you climbing that tree and what kind of tree are you climbing? Like, what are you trying to get when you get to the top of that tree? Is there still a forest around you or like, are you at the top of the tree and now you're, you know, up above the forest? There's a lot of tree metaphors in this con in this comment that I'm making. But basically, you know, I think that if you look at how the stock market was not accessible, then to your point with Robinhood, it became accessible, right? And it became accessible to people who maybe didn't want to take the time to learn what it really was and instead went to Wall Street Bets. And some of them just followed these like online profits and made profit, right? And some of them were like, no. And so now you have this whole community of people who are like zealots about Wall Street bets because they followed somebody who they thought was smarter than them or had the inside scoop and they did things at the right time. I think some of it was a lot of chance. I think there's some very smart people there too, but they were able to organize and collectively take on Wall Street, you know? And that was like, I think the first ripple in kind of this desire that you're seeing a lot of people have to want to kind of take a piece back from those in power. Not to say that they want to like, you know, overthrow the government or overthrow the economy, but to say, hey, I can make my money in non-traditional methods. You know, I can... I can invest in things that I think are interesting, even if people are like, whoa, NFT is a scam or like, oh, crypto is a scam. Well, a lot of money is being thrown. Like if you follow the money, people who are much smarter than me, who have a lot more resources than me, seem to be investing in a lot of this stuff. And, and if you American pay attention- business is fake and about scams. That's-, that's Yeah, well, we I mean, that's out. that's exactly it, you know? So it's kind of like, okay, well, which, like, which scam would you rather that, follow? Right. Yeah. Right. Is it the one that's actually decentralized, right? Like, is it the one that that has less regulation or is it the one that's like heavily regulated that like, you know, Jim Cramer can scream about something and hit a button that makes a sound effect and then your hard-earned money goes either up or down and he's part of a cog, you know? But these are all things that we accept. Um, and I think taking it, talking specifically about NFTs is that we're starting to accept and adopt that these things are here. We don't really understand where they're going and what the ultimate outcome is, but there are people with some deep pockets and some, some very smart people who are taking the time to think about what it does mean to be able to generate your own token, right? What it does mean to be able to, to, to build a community in, in the metaverse, right? To, to buy real estate in the metaverse, to set up completely digital storefronts. I mean, as, a, as an example, you know, there are people who have interest in this. Why? Maybe they think that there's something there. Maybe they're, you know, serial entrepreneurs who think that, or maybe they see that, hey, our reliance on technology, the explosion of that because of the pandemic has created a lot of opportunity in this space. And I think that it, it becomes, you know, as crazy as people think like the outliers who have been investing this on, like, now major brands, let's say, or like major companies are investing in NFTs and, and blockchain because they're following what the market is dictating, kind of, at least in, in, from an interest standpoint. Um, but 
all that to say is that human beings organize, right? In one way or another into communities, uh, be they jujitsu gyms, be they friend groups, be they, you know, a car of choice. We're so tribal. The, the interesting thing about, I think, NFTs and like just human action and interaction with technology is that now more than ever, you have the ability to create spaces and communities that you find have value, whatever that fucking value is. And then you can start deep fucking value. Yeah, exactly. You can start funding them. I mean, that's what DAOs are, you know? I mean, they're communities of, of people who want say. They want say, and so they invest in a community so that they have voting power. It's really interesting microcosm. And I don't want to draw a one-to-one comparison with democracy, but it's like, look, if you are, if you have invested something like currency or like, like wealth or value into a, a community, you have the ability then to kind of steer what you believe is the right path. And, and there's voting, you know, I mean, there's, there's influence that's still there. I mean, it, it, it's, it's so interesting that we're just doing the same thing we've always done, like from a biological perspective, except we're doing it in different spaces. So habits, I mean, I know you study neurology, you know, you see, you see trends and habits in the marketplace. I think to discredit. Which reflects this, human psychology. Exactly. And yeah, to discredit some. It's fascinating. Right. Well, and to discredit something like the blockchain or that's why chart patterns NFTs. work. Most people don't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, chart patterns do work, and there are people much smarter than me who follow them. And yeah, they're and reflections about, of humans' psychology. It's crazy. Continue. And it's pattern. It's pattern finding, right? Like, so Correct. what I do in my profession is is Doubt, understanding elation. Yeah, back to yeah. the line. Mm-hmm. Right, fud, all that stuff. But you know, in my profession. When you talk about how you interact with the human interface, we've been trained over time, you know, on the on the bedrock of other versions of interfaces that came before us to understand certain things innately about all these all these programs we we interface with. And then there's patterns that evolve, right? And those patterns are patterns that you can continue to refine. And you have very, you know, huge entities and corporations that invest a lot of money and time into developing these patterns. And so, you know, it ultimately comes back to psychology and, and, you know, I know we kind of got to a roundabout way when you talked about the scarcity of the people who were antiquing and you talk about the scarcity of um, magic, the gathering cards injected scarcity or created scarcity because of Bitcoin, for example, you know, I mean, all that is just perception by a group of people who agree that this thing is scarce or it's not scarce. And I know that there are mathematical laws and there are psychological imperatives that have to do with what, what scarcity means. I mean, it's, it's imprinted into our DNA, like why we would hoard food or like bury food or, you know, it was about survival. Well, scarcity now takes on like the roots go in all sorts of different directions, you know? And so we need you to- and those tree metaphors. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. Fuck. I don't know why. Uh, but, but I mean, you know, if we were to kind of focus on what's happening in the NFT space, what's really interesting is that a lot of the bedrock that exists in traditional kind of spheres is coming to the blockchain, right? So if you think about transactions, for example, they can't be something that's so unrecognizable to the masses that they won't adopt it. 
you know, when people are talking about, oh, you need a MetaMask wallet in order to buy this with Ethereum and there's a gas fee, people are like, no, 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 no. Where's my credit card? Let me buy this JPEG of a donkey and let me, you know, put it on a secondary marketplace and hopefully it'll make me $50 billion, you know? Uh, like there are, we, you know, the ideas around the blockchain were, are really great, but they can be skinned in like traditional e-commerce or like traditional P2P payments or like, you know, like those kinds of experiences that we've come to expect from like Amazon or whoever, you know? So, and this is, this is where, where it's going to go. People think like, oh, it's just a JPEG and I'll take a screenshot and they make these memes and they make fun of people who are collecting NFTs. Sure. I don't know that the art collection of NFTs is going to be anything that's going to last. But what is lasting is things like DAOs, you know, which are groups of people who build a community on the blockchain. What is going to last is brands wanting to capitalize on the attention of young people and where they're spending most of their time. And if they're spending most of their time in video games or in like, you know, uh, on Discord or all these places like that, that's where they have to go. They have to find a way to interface. And, and the next generations are going to be so much more savvy. They're, they're, they're born with interfaces. Like, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that, those videos of like kids who go up to like a mirror and then try to like, you know, use their fingers to zoom in to see what's being, I mean, this is, this is the next level, the next evolution of marketplaces of the way that, the way that commerce will happen. I mean, some of the rumblings I think are already there. Like when someone's like, why would a board Ape Yacht Club uh, NFT go for, you know, $3 million? Well, because a bunch of people got together and decided this is what it's, what it's worth because of clout accolades, whatever, you know, they're building a great community behind their NFT, but regardless it's perceived value or it's, it's, it's a group of people agreeing that that's the value. And I think that you're going to see people being a lot more um, speculative, maybe even rash in the way that they perceive, you know, their, like what they're chasing, what their interests are. Uh, I think traditional finance is still going to play a major role in that, but it's changing. And I think that they're, they're, they're realizing that. And NFTs are a very small portion of like, just in general, the next iteration of society where we're moving forward. I, I mean, I feel like it is. It's when I have a knee jerk reaction to like, oh my God, why would somebody want this? Or like, I can't believe this is happening. And like, this is so stupid or crazy. I try to challenge myself to, to understand that because that's really where I think the cutting edge of like, what is going to be implemented from like a technological standpoint or a cultural standpoint as it pertains to technology, like that's where it's going to be, you know? Already there's, I have conversations with people at work where like, I don't get this. And I was like, yeah, I know it's fucking weird. Like there's, it, we have to try to understand it because people who are, let's say in the next generation will just accept this as like being, a, you know, accepting that, oh, I made an NFT of like a meme that I was famous for and I sold it and people bought it. And someone's like, what? Like, what are you, what the fuck are you talking about? Like that sentence makes no sense to me. People should be paying attention. They don't have to adopt it. They don't have to understand it. But, you know, these kinds of things are happening. And there's enough people that are generating enough interest with enough capital that a lot of people, a lot of major brands and major entities and corporations are, are paying attention. Let me zoom out about your sentiment just a little bit. 
started off this conversation mentioning that people don't realize that they're in cycles quite mm-hmm. often. And we are in a societal cycle in which this whole blockchain thing exists. Mm-hmm. The blockchain from a very straightforward standpoint, this entire conversation is pretty mundane. If you were just to fly on the wall, you would see humans staring with their head down in an uncomfortable position, tapping yeah. all day. Tapping. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about people doing nothing. Mm-hmm. If they're doing something involved, it means they're moving more than one finger on a keyboard. Right. But we're talking about people doing nothing. Why the fuck would people do nothing? Well, the invoke thing to say is it's because they're getting little dopamine hits. Yeah. Yeah, but anything you do that's pleasurable is a, a dopamine hit. Sure. Anything. So what what that really means is they're tapping here because whatever else, what other uh, other stimulus they're getting elsewhere, not providing cumulatively the same amount of dopamine. Mm-hmm. I do less tapping than many people mm-hmm. because my life sucks less. Mm-hmm. And I mean yeah. that mathematically. I still do plenty of tapping. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I do tapping is because I'm afraid of my life sucking more. Right. And within this arc of the cycle we're in, all of us humans tapping is our revolt or revolution. Mm-hmm. So let's go back 500 years ago. People would be in cities that had, they were on land. Some of them had shelter. They had, they had roofs over their heads. They had the ability to grow some food. They had things that were very valuable to societies hundreds and hundreds of years before that. However, they lived under oppressive rule. Mm-hmm. And the oppressive rule made the dopamine shots they got from having a roof over their head and a warm fire and being able to grow some vegetables. So not worthwhile. So uninteresting because of how oppressive those people that looked like me who called themselves kings and fucked their sisters, you know, mm-hmm. how oppressive their rules were. <laughs> they said, we're going to get on a boat to someplace we have literally never seen and sit on that boat for months and months and months eating really, really shitty rotting food. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hope we end up somewhere else where we get, are going to start from scratch to do all yeah. of these things of scarcity that we had before. And hopefully that'll work out well because facing this thing head on by every time I fuck my sister, nobody makes me a Lord. Mm-hmm. I don't understand yeah. how these Kings can keep fucking their sister and they get more power and I fuck my sister and I just get like two headed children and, right. and uh, an STD. This doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm going to sit on this boat. And right now, one of the first things you said is, I'm not so sure the people in power are doing a good job with these with society. And I don't want to parse out the mistakes they're making because it fucking sucks. In so yeah. many words, you didn't say fucking sucks. But I want to think about the hand that I'm being dealt and what I can do. Mm-hmm. And what the underlying aspect of the blockchain that is emerging as technology that's going to stay around all contains is democratization of the ecosystem. And it uses mathematics to remove the human faults that these programmers have identified in our leadership. And instead of trying to argue with our leadership, 
because it's as as bad as Joe Biden would probably be at being in an argument with someone moderately educated, you can't even get to him. Mm -hmm. Right? You can't even, that, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So collectively, humans, however that collective consciousness works, instead of building ships and climbing on and sitting there, they're tap, 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 tapping, and they're creating stuff that the old guard doesn't even understand. Mm -hmm. And the not understanding is just a byproduct of they're creating something completely new because all of the outlets that have been in front of humans, the most innovative creatures to ever exist, have been shut down again in the cycle by the powers that be. Mm -hmm. And in a universe where the powers that be, for whatever reason, like a Mark Zuckerberg, who is an independent power, but we're seeing more and more of that, mm -hmm. he wants to make this metaverse. And yeah. he wants to control your life mm -hmm. within that. And that's going to work, right? Because there are a lot of people who still watch Fox News. There are a lot of people who stayed in England. There are a lot of people who remain. Mm -hmm. He'll make lots of money. He, he'll have direct marketing pipelines. Yeah. But other people yeah. want to create their own ecosystems that aren't controlled by these singular or central figures. They mm -hmm. want to force democratization of those ecosystems. And within that, because that's the way the cycles of human nature work, marketing will again find its way into those places. Yeah. Just like marketing and, and royalty like Nancy Pelosi and the Bush family, they find their way into mm -hmm. America, which was supposed to be a free country. As a, as a quick aside to make a point, Melania Trump just released uh, NFT, you know? Yes. Um, and I think just to sit with the political stuff, I think that you're going to see that as a source of fundraising in the future as well, yes. because yes. everybody is going to take advantage of the ability to create insulated groups or groups not insulated from like the standpoint, like you can't get in, but if you wanna say, you're gonna to have to either invest in a token, stake something, you know, put something at stake to be able to kind of get a vote, which is what essentially the claim of the right to vote is in this country. However, I feel like the only real money we put up is our taxes. There's no other kind of major incentive to be um, civic. And which our taxes I, no longer mean anything, which you know, right. the constitution was based on the right to like a fair but minimal taxation. And right. now the federal government 80 times has gone over budget to the point that they can't even pay their minimum credit card payment on the trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. So the taxation in the real world is almost uh, nothing other than just a source right. of control where they, they take from us, which was the original problem with the huts in England. Right. And right. in that sense, and you mentioned Melania, Think about the spells that are still cast to this day from, from ruling classes coming in and, and taking what an independent, and I realized, I remember, I realized like there, people were taking from the native people of this land, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. the idea was we're, we're going to have our independence of life, right? Mm -hmm. And now we have Republicans who keep telling people that they're for liberty and they're for freedom and they're for conservatism, yet they have never once reduced their spending. Right. And they claim through like taxes 
that they somehow give something back to the people, but then at the same time, they devalue the currency by money printing. And who was mm -hmm. the last person to try to create some sort of spending reform? It was a Democrat named Bill Clinton. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, and then of course you, you've got, you've got the Democrats on the other side who cast the spells of this is for democracy and this mm -hmm. is for the working class. And no, it's for just, insider stock trading. Magic. And it's for insider absolute, stock trading. Absolutely. They yeah. will now go into these spaces and say, right. This is, you know, Elizabeth Warren's asking for $10, $10 donations via all these different online channels and mm -hmm. online payment methods to she's, if you want me to fight, uh, she's running ads on Facebook. The thing that she mm -hmm. on television to say, yeah, to the speak ads out are corrupt against, and manipulate yeah. people. And Elon Musk shat on her because the guy pays $11 billion in taxes just on capital gains this year after she called him a freeloader. And so her response was, hey, everybody send me $10 via all these digital ways if you want me to take down freeloader Elon Musk. So they're absolutely going to be using these channels. Mm -hmm. Within that, as this is, is starting to emerge as a technology that isn't going away, and by that I mean the blockchain, which we were originally introduced uh, to through cryptocurrency, it seems like there are some issues emerging that mm -hmm. might be sped up in their correction by money from these these legacy outlets for instance like marketing yeah. is an institution in this country and they want nfts to work right now on the ethereum ecosystem mining or gas fees is a serious problem as far as huge shit huge. and so yeah. we've started seeing seeing different uh, technologies and maybe you can speak to like Solana like polygon for example polygon, yeah or polygon which yeah. aims mm -hmm. to do the same solve the problem but do it as an example cheaper yeah and however it seems like the the core technology of making something on a blockchain on a ledger that can't be altered you're keeping track of stuff it's decentralized it's democratized and you can pair a monetary transaction with some sort of file mm -hmm. record mm -hmm. that part is here to stay yeah and that's something that's i believe was first introduced um in ethereum is that right yeah well and cardano tried to outdo it but they've yeah down right now because they can't actually add the smart contract feature properly so this is kind of like this is where first to market like if you think about a PayPal, for example, which was the first to market really about like, you know, with, with P2P payments and as and that's Elon, Elon Musk, right. Yeah. Elizabeth right. Warren, so, Cause Elon yeah. Musk doesn't contribute to innovation and create the precursor to cryptocurrency. He's, he's a freeloader. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just one of those things where I think in general, when somebody has enough, <laughs> just as a sidetrack, when someone has enough of their own income and when they do not have to sit there and respect or agree with or, or be part of, you know, they're, 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 they're following the rules as the rules have been dictated, but people who write the rules don't like it when people break the rules that they have put in place or, or are just doing better than them at playing the game, you know? So, I mean, Anyway, I digress. Elon Musk is an interesting guy. There are, you can't deny the amount of innovation that has come out of his brain. 
I mean, you're talking about Tesla, SpaceX, PayPal, uh, Starlink, you know, like, let's be realistic. You don't have to like the guy. You don't have to love, you don't, you don't even, even have to like his face or the way he talks or whatever. Like you can not like what he stands for, or whatever, but you can't deny the fact that these are, he brings together people who are highly innovative and takes chances that push forward. Uh, he really gave two guys $30 million dollars to start Tesla. Yeah. How many people is Elizabeth Warren personally given $30 million from her own earnings from creating another company to create something that's provided Americans with tens of thousands of, that, of jobs? Right. I don't, yeah. What's, I mean, what's it, one think, politician other than Trump who's done that? Right. Well, created any I, you know, I don't, jobs, you know, and yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I, he, all of his shit is fake business. It's added nothing to the world. Right. But, right. You know, that that's just that says a lot about how underachieving so many of these people who criticize are well you can't even that's a trump <laughs> but and and i think like that's a really interesting point because it's like the critique of the blockchain the critique of things that you don't understand or you know this is where open-mindedness is always a challenge right and i will i will try to draw a securitist route to what i was was going to say like you have to keep one ear open always to what is happening in the innovation space and to who is innovating and why. If you understand the why behind, let's say a certain desired task, maybe it's not the perfect solution. Let's take, for example, electric cars, you know, right? Like there's a number of problems that they're solving. There's a number of problems that they're creating too. You know, the batteries aren't great. Okay. Um, but the ultimate goal is to attempt to to reduce carbon emissions to make sure that you know they're like we're ushering in a new age of of electric vehicles that don't rely on fossil fuels okay when it comes to something like going back to the blockchain and and the communities that you can create and then you know nfts and and whatever this new world that we're going to enter into this metaverse and all that stuff you know ultimately it's about you know institutional powers attempting to exert their will on that. But the difference is, is that they are ethereal. So it's harder to do. Whereas like they can exert influence on your home. You can get a lien on your home. They can come through. They need to build a highway. They'll, they'll take your land from you. You know what I mean? Like they'll do it by hook or by crook. People have done it since time immemorial. Digital spaces are unique because they don't really exist. And there's problematic, sure, but they don't exist. But now we're defining them in ways that not only do they not exist, and you said something I thought was really great, is that you also are removing some of the human elements of it using mathematics to generate scarcity because, because you realize that, okay, this human element, like there are patterns that I think are, are, are useful to understand, but like also not having a single centralized entity being able to control what it is that you're trying to achieve, even if it's like, a coin that you make with your friends that you exchange instead of dollars because you thought it was an interesting experiment, right. you know, like, like even something as simple as, as simple as that, or being able to make, you know, an NFT of your face and put it on there just because you want to do it and to try, like all those things are, are small, very small incremental steps towards a space where there is a lot of autonomy and there's a lot of freedom, you know? Um, and over and over, world powers have manipulated their own currencies once they got into power over mm -hmm. and over. So that's a, an attempt to break that pattern. 
and I would, as I would we want talked to ask about, you, I want to push back on that comment though. Don't yeah. you believe though? Don't you believe though that there are people who are trying to manipulate cryptocurrency currently in its value? I mean, I know that it's harder to do, yes. but I feel like if you go on Twitter and if you have ever followed a hashtag of a shitcoin or whatever, the amount of bots that are there to try to drum up interest or to try to drum up, you know, like doubt. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Like I don't use Twitter, but like my algorithm is totally fucked because of the fact that like, I just followed a couple of NFT, you know, profiles and whatever. And it's crazy. The bots like, like, and these are, these are small entities, large entities trying to affect the value of, of, of a, of a cryptocurrency, you know, like you see it happening live specifically to those that's why i recommend that people don't spend hours of their day yeah looking up these little things hoping one's going to work out right in the, in the same vein for instance i don't want to spend time in the metaverse i want to i don't mm-hmm. want to spend any time tapping that isn't making me money ultimately mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because because my life doesn't suck mm-hmm. the hope is with people who are committed to all the tapping because this is an experiment right it's a cyclic experiment their hope is that one of these cryptos as an example rises to the top Mm -hmm. that cannot be Mm -hmm. manipulated however that push and pull of good and evil bots and uh, of ai and humans of of Mm -hmm. bad actors and and honest people that is ever present in human life there's there are going to be holes that continue to try to get poked in into those and that is just a a fact of the market Mm -hmm. the world markets there are anybody who is in favor of competition is in favor of there being losers and there are always financial casualties to that as well as mental casualties right Mm -hmm. like people lose everything they and a lot of times they become come depressed and, and die but that that's mm-hmm. a trade everybody's a trader right if you want to truly believe that this is going to work out and you want to be like riding that wave you got to do a lot of tapping mm-hmm. and yeah i don't personally and part of it's because like i'm not a computer programmer or whatever mm-hmm. but i don't mm-hmm. personally want to give up my real life to tap to beat somebody at something i do want to try and beat people right like i want to mm-hmm. run my mouth and and yeah. and then do some tapping around that that's mm-hmm. how i think i can best affect change but mm-hmm. there's a trade to that right i spend yeah. a, a lot of time time behind a mic and and editing things and shit where mm-hmm. other people are just out having fun story of my life but that's okay yeah. that's what i want to it's what gives you meaning, you know, it's, but yeah. it's the trade and not all yeah. of that tapping is going to work out for people, but the, no. their, their gamble is that it, that it will ultimately mm-hmm. create something. And right now we have yet to find a cryptocurrency that hasn't been manipulated in some way. Right. And, well, and, and I think, you know, I think nothing that, else but whales. Right. And, and, and I think what's, what we have to understand too, is that up until very recently, and I mean, the last two months we were taking at least me personally, when I was speaking about cryptocurrency and then NFTs, right? And then subsequently the the metaverse was taking them all as separate entities. And what we need to realize is that the definition of the metaverse is encompassing the real world, this undefined space of, of digital life. 
and then the tools which interface between the real world and that, and then also the habits, which are ultimately habits that are homo sapiens, you know, that are ancient. So now we have, you know, this weird, this weird kind of nexus, you know, of, of the, of the metaverse predicated on human ingenuity and human uh, habits, but with a lot of other kind of freedoms to, 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 to grow in ways that are undefined as of right now. And is that collectively being marketed as web 3.0 right now? You know, I don't really know. There's so many terminology. That, there's a lot the of terminology. Whole, the whole fucker that's going to, it could be, but see the metaverse. I think the metaverse is, it, it is beyond web 3.0, right? Because okay. you, you take into account IOT AR, XR, VR, you know, you take account into account things that are going to have to have a backbone. That's the internet, which is what we've referred to it as. So the web. So you might but, be walking around the metaverse and log into web 3.0. Yeah, exactly. But web 3.0 will not be necessarily housing the metaverse. The metaverse will be the universe collectively created by all of this shit. Right. Cool. That's the way I interpreted it. That's the way I interpret it. Someone might disagree. I just think that at all the digital touch points with reality and virtual reality and augmented reality, like that's, that's where like, I don't think definition is, is necessary other than to have a working terminology to be able to identify what we're talking about. So whether it's web 3.0, whether it's the metaverse, it doesn't matter what's the, to me, what's interesting is how we are going to grow into this, new reality because it is very strange right like people have achieved levels of consciousness that are are you know on psychedelics for example that could very well mimic a experience that hasn't been developed yet in in the virtual world where instead of taking, right now <laughs> that's what's up instead of taking you know instead of taking your your chemical compound to get there a, a number of you know visual stimuli can trick your brain to do the same thing and then the question is is it any less of a potent let's say if you have a some sort of a, a spiritual experience right or some sort of reckoning or understanding is it any less because the impetus or the or the 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 input was uh, a plant versus you know external stimuli of auditory or visual that's up matter to how you get there it doesn't matter so but like i think the real interesting thing is for me and this is like what, what i scratch my head at about is like why is why are these changes happening why does it matter and to who does it matter because they're happening right so kind of finding the why behind it is really interesting to me i don't know that i necessarily will have any answers but why we're moving towards the metaverse why what the, we're what are the central protocols that you're seeing companies trying to use uh with nfts right now outside of, outside of ethereum or are they all on ethereum no they're not all on ethereum there's right now i think what's happening is there is a race to optimize the experience for people who are for 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 the layman of of the um 
kind of the, the, the people who are going to be the largest group of adopters who don't necessarily aren't crypto enthusiasts, aren't people who are, um, you know, aware of the terminology or the technology, just the same way that we use the internet, but, you know, not everybody knows how to write HTML or, or CSS or anything like that. You know, the, the thing that, that is really interesting to me is how you're bringing in a much larger user base and user population. And I think that we have to define and understand that because it's happening because there is a desire to make things feel a lot more like what people are used to right now. And that is how they consume things currently. And it takes a long time to change habits in that space, but human beings in general are a lot more rapid adopters of new technology. Like you brought up the smartphone at the beginning of our conversation. If you think about the iPhone one versus what we're on a 14 or 15 now, I don't even fucking know. But like the, the, the changes that have transpired in the short period of time that that product has been around and kind of the, all the other ancillary parts of like interfacing with reality and technology and working from home and all that stuff. Like all that is something that can happen with the blockchain that I think will happen with the blockchain and will happen with NFT. So I think what I'm seeing to make a long story short is that there is a mad dash to establish backbone protocols, blockchains, metaverse spaces, you know, gaming spaces that people can build on top of. <coughs> so, so we're, we're witnessing like Roblox. Right now, like Roblox is one of them, you know, Roblox, I would say is probably the first true metaverse and it's been around for a while and people just thought it was kids playing games. Yet now Nike opens up a storefront. Uh, Lil Nas X does concerts. It's generating millions, if not, I don't know, billions of dollars worth of revenue on its currency, its native currency, Robux. Okay, so it's an enclosed ecosystem with its and own is, commerce. Is that running on an underlying blockchain that you know of? Or no, it's just, no, it's not. It's, just it's not, it exists, it, it exists in the web. Now, now, you know, the next iteration of that very well could be, I, I don't know, I don't want to say no, but my some, my understanding is it's not currently. That doesn't mean that they can't migrate it. You just use you know? your credit and so card this is, and you buy a certain number of Robux. And... Yeah, yeah. Or you can you can scan a QR code if you if someone gifts you them, like the same thing as a gift card. So what I mean is like, just from my work alone, like having it be easy for everybody to jump on board is the next major step, major hurdle for adoption. Whereas like our last conversations when we were talking about, you know, when we were like minting stuff on OpenSea and what wallet are you using, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's all relevant because for the crypto enthusiast or the, the person who cares about security around NFTs and cryptocurrency, you know, crypto wallets make sense. But for your dad or my dad, or like even young kids who don't even want to buy crypto and have a credit card, those transactions, that kind of, you know, that e-commerce backbone, yeah, that's that's what is going to drive adoption. And I think people are are so confused by a lot of the terminology around it because up until this point, it's very much been like a niche space. But that terminology is going to become normalized. It already has been. I mean, you know, the last two, three years around Christmas or Thanksgiving, a ton of memes drop. People are like, oh, the one guy who's going to talk your face blue 
you know, about crypto at Thanksgiving dinner, you know, and it's like, this is his outfit. This is what, you know, just making fun of people who have been interested in the space. And that's fine. It's, it's a weird, it's, it's fun to make fun of people. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm just saying that there's a, there's a, a lot of truth and a lot of money being invested in these, in these, like, whether they are, let's say like Gary V, for example, he's essentially starting a advertising agency, but it's not, it's specifically for NFTs, right? So it's a consulting agency around building NFTs and he's bypassing traditional advertising companies, which are slow to, let's say, kind of launch projects in the space and say, Hey, I can implement, I've got the developers, I've got the creative minds, I've got this, I've got that, I've got the clout. Let me do your launch for you. Let me orchestrate that, you know? So, so now like there are highly specialized groups, highly specialized um, companies, you know, startups, et cetera, that are really going to take a lot of brands that want to take a chance, right? And, and we're talking now very specifically like brands and advertising and marketing, but there are products that are going to come from this. There are communities that are going to come from this. There are going to be innovations within our cell phones, our computers. Adobe, for example, just released uh, an update to Photoshop and and Illustrator where you can mint an NFT immediately from Adobe. So if Adobe is, which has essentially, when you talk about, and it's not really democratized because it costs money, but like has really given you the ability to create exceptional levels of like fidelity of, of like photos and to do all this graphic design, one person can do the work that it took like, you know, a bunch of people to do even five years ago they're getting on board. When you see the adoption of this stuff happening to this degree across all sorts of different platforms because they see that, hey, there's an interest driving it, I think people need to start paying attention. And I'm not saying that people aren't paying attention. A big question that we run up against is like, what brands and why would want to adopt this, this type of technology or, or to do an, an NFT drop and what's the reason behind it? I think the interesting thing about NFTs is it's it's undefined as of yet, right? It really is. It's You see a lot of like sports memorabilia, which is interesting. You see a lot of art, which is interesting. But what's next? And why is that going to be important? The contract itself, the ability to generate the NFT itself, I think that's what's really important. That certificate of authenticity. Because that continues this arc of the story of like democratization and independence right and and having the ability to be able to prove you know what the real arc of the story is is that one day somebody stole half of some guy's bird that he'd killed out in the woods yeah that's true you took my bird leg you promised me you would exactly and here we are now we're in the metaverse because And every single one of the problems that we have dealt with for the last like 20,000 years has been a human created problem. Yeah, of course so it has. That's, that's, a piece of the, that's a piece of this cycle. Like a Gary V, right? Gary V modeled big business before they were in, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. what does a Budweiser, what did Budweiser used to do every single year at the Super Bowl? They came out with a slightly different bottle or can mm-hmm. and a different commercial theme. One, you know, at one point it was the the horses. At one point it was the frogs. At one point it was the, mm-hmm. and they, my bud, you know, this bud's mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They, anytime uh, 
uh, product comes out, like a seltzer or this or that, they just come out with their own one. It doesn't even make <laughs> sense, right? Like mm -hmm. Budweiser is supposed to be a beer and they come out with Bud Light Seltzer. Right. It's, it means nothing. And, and then what happens? A certain number of people decide they get into it and they buy a little more of it. Yeah. And then they just decide it's important. McDonald's, no one gives a fuck about the McRib. But for no. my entire life, they tell you like every year or so. It's time. The McRib is back it's for back, a limited baby. time it's only. Time. It's time. And people love that shit. And they love it for no reason other than they just get like, the, they mm -hmm. get spells cast on them. And Gary V got in and, and realized you could hit a massive number of people on YouTube and then a massive number of mm -hmm. people on social media. And it was a democratizer at the time. Mm -hmm. And it was mm -hmm. an equalizer. And yeah. it still is to some degree, but funny how, you know, it's, it, we keep, we gravitate towards these things that are democratizers as we keep losing power Yeah, right? it, it, over and over and over. we we invent something new and at a certain point, everyone knew that, that cause that's what he really did, right? Like first he sold mm -hmm. wine and he told people about different wines and wine is a funny thing because wine is so arbitrary that your people are just it's so arbitrary, right? People think so because it costs more, he, it's better yes. wine, but they don't know the and, difference. And Gary V then changed his marketing to telling people about YouTube and social media, which mm -hmm. was so arbitrary because all you have to do on social media is just really get on there. And then you'd yeah. see what people are doing, like hashtags. Yeah. You don't need to pay Gary V or watch Gary V's motivational videos to say, right. you should do a YouTube video with a hashtag, right? You already know that, but right. he just, packaged that and yeah. as that ran out he's wisely because he likes collecting things because he likes that mm -hmm. arbitrary shit in fact yeah, gary yeah. v is a guy who talks about antiquing that's hilarious yeah. Yeah. I like he's a hardcore Knicks fan. you never yeah. know what you're gonna find i found this for yeah. 200 dollars. it's fucking great <laughs> bro i don't spend time with my kids they'll understand when they're sitting in the the the, the, the of the bait of the what does he want to own he wants to own the pirates or the jets the new york jets stadium i'm gonna own it and then they'll then they'll be happy i don't need to spend time with them now <laughs> dude but anyway point being is <laughs> he was out there with this nft thing and now as you just said he's now consulting people on how to make an nft yeah you can be half an idiot and make an nft and but there's what nothing he's... more than, more than I, know, I know, I know, I know he is, but what he, what in the, when, in the cycle of what he's doing is he's uh -huh. creating something, jumping in, catching it as it shoots up the yeah. same as Which when is you a skill. Dogecoin, and then right. you move to the next thing. You try to right. sell at the top and right. there's a whole movement of people who are going to have this opportunity. And as you're, you're saying like, and in fact, part of your industry is coming up with the ideation of what mm -hmm. is significant for companies mm -hmm. to spend their time creating because right. this, this whole song and dance has to continue to be about creation to solve perceived problems. If everybody yeah. just drank water and shut the fuck up, you know, mm -hmm. and sat on their porch at night, we'd all be good. But we've, we've gotten so far away from that, that we need these things depending on, on where we're at. So that party's got to keep going and, and, there Gary V is not just because Gary V and this is just, I guess, adding in a long way to what you're saying, but people, people should be careful when they subscribe to Gary V and try to do everything that Gary V is doing because he's already done it. Yeah. So yeah. you're already, you're already late if you're mimicking Gary V. Well, and I have to say this, you, the thing about 
drinking water and shutting the fuck up and sit on your porch. The real in the woods, I, which we don't have anymore. Yeah. So. Well, so this is the thing, right? I wonder because the amount of anxiety that interfacing with society and life and relationships and work and all this stuff it's all like you said man-made problems right this is where you know you start talking about the matrix and the metaverse and there's no forests and there's none of this and that you know i i i i'm interested in where this is going but there is a part of me that my hair stands on end about all of this because you know i get so granular about interesting problems that are being solved or like you know use cases because that's just how my brain works because i like to pick apart stuff i like to understand it but and you you and i are very similar in that way but the thing is it's like okay well what about the most basic things like what, when did it become that the basic things about and now we're completely changing the, the conversation, but maybe, maybe, maybe there is some sort of a solution that is something like the matrix, unfortunately, or fortunately, where if you can't tell the difference, and then this brings in the whole thing of like, are we living in the matrix? Is this a reality? Like, is, are we, are we actually real? You know, all this stuff that people, I mean, hu philosophers human, are. humans have believed in some form of heaven since way yeah. before computers, which yeah. is the answer to all this madness. Mm -hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? So maybe we're developing the first stages of that yeah. kind of thing. You know, I mean, it, we've talked about Wally before, like a place where, the human beings get shot up to outer space because they can't live on earth anymore because it's so polluted and they just are con like robots do all the work and they just get carted around and they just get food and ads shoved in their faces and fuck man i mean like that kind of feels really prescient and fucked up and you're but, allowed to do but, that now if you want you just don't have to right but we're being introduced that, to it and i think like this is Correct. where yeah, this is where I, I kind of worry that like my desire to make more money or to to find this stuff interesting. And because I do, because there's, you know, a big, like I said, picking it apart, you know, at what point, at what point does just because it's going to happen, make it necessarily a good thing that it's happening? Like I can, like we talked about the democratization and the removal of, you it's know, hard oversight. to attach good to any of these things happening. If you do that, it's hard. You can, it you, is hard. You, one can give themselves a permanent existential crisis. Right. And I think that, you know, some of the very real problems that exist, you know, environmentally uh, that are currently happening, you know, I hope that there's much smarter people than me that solve it and not solve it by like, okay, we have to leave the earth or, okay, <laughs> we have to like, you, you know what I mean? Like, like, I hope they get solved. And maybe, maybe some of these DAOs, some of these communities that are going to be formed, you Explain know. Explain a little more about what a DAO is. Well, okay. So DAO, D-A-O, it's a decentralized autonomous organization. Uh, that's what it stands for. Uh, and basically, think about it as just like a group of people who get together on a blockchain, who essentially create a community that community itself has um, rules or no rules, 
but the one thing that you can do is collectively you have the ability to bargain, right? It's kind of like a democracy, kind of like a union, but without all of the trappings of like, you know, it's a lot more sim simple. And the simplicity is that you can invest and stake something, whether it's buying a token or staking tokens in order to get voters' rights. And those voters' rights, then can you can vote on new projects that are coming out and like is for it example, actual, is it an actual is it an actual email that you get and then you click yes or no, or is it more of a mathematical? Uh, um, are the are the are the issues that come up more about programming versus versus something I, that I would think, be in prose? Mm, well, no, because there's a lot of DAOs that have discords, right? And and if you are in, in each discord, you can have specific groups and servers for individuals who have invested more or less, right? And you can define the rules of said group that way. You can define it with the, the sale of, let's say, an NFT or a token. I don't know. I, I, I haven't really been, like, I'm not a part of a DAO currently, and I haven't really been part of it to say that I know for sure that you can programmatically de decide it. But usually what it is, it's like, hey, this is a product roadmap. Like, a, a DAO, think of it both as, like, an entity and, like, like, like a... Let me, let me take a step back, not an entity, but a group of like-minded individuals along with a blockchain and a token that can do something or that there's projects that are going to be launched on said blockchain and that people can so it's like a on. It's like a club where there's no money. Like the moment you walk in the, the, the building, the money is the club's own money. And sure. Or no one pulls out their dollars and says, oh, look, I've got a billion dollars. But people might know that they have a billion tokens. Sure. But, but it just includes you as an equal vote, blah, 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 blah. That or think about it as like, let's say your DAO is like a cell phone and you really want four, four lenses, but the most of the majority only want one. Right. And the product roadmap is, hey, we want to make the best camera experience. What do you guys want? These are what we're thinking. These are the options. One lens, two lens, three lens, four lens. And then you vote if you have the ability to stake. So it's like both. Like yes, when you do team say, jackets. Yeah, exactly. Like you can vote on the design of the team jacket. So mm -hmm. it, it's like part product, part group. And it really depends on the type of project. Um, for example, you know, I, I think... I don't remember where it was a people who was talking about Andrew Rogan or whatever, but like there was a DAO that was attempting to buy a copy, like one of the original copies of the constitution, you know, and there was a, a way to crowdsource. Yeah. And it was a way to crowdsource money. And like, it very well could be that Patrick, you want to run for the, you know, governor of, of California and enough people like you started DAO and enough people invest. Though. Well, and I think that this is like a use case that I think is going to happen. I think you're going to have some sort of an individual. Uh, I mean, it's maybe somebody with a podcast, maybe somebody who is political, but doesn't want to take money from super PACs. And they say, hey, I'm making a, 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 a organization full transparency. You can look at the ledger, right? You can see where all the transactions are going. So it's like a super PAC, like make and a super people PAC. people can come in here and communicate and we're not going to have any Directly, bots. yeah, directly well, I guess communicate in with in theory, them. there could be bots, but then yeah, there'll but be the bots... programmers who program sure. from that and innovation. But if that. you don't stake, if you don't stake, if you don't have anything at stake, then, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get the benefit of voting. And this is, I think like, you know, a controversial opinion I have sometimes 
I have the freedom to be able to say this. And I think I also like kind of shake my head when I say this, but you know, the thought that everybody has the right to vote and that it's like innate to being an American citizen when there are very hardworking people here who aren't American citizens, who contribute more to a society with blood, sweat, money, whatever, and don't have the ability to vote. You know, it's really interesting to me that something like a DAO where you just know there's transparency, you say, okay, X amount of staking or X amount of whatever gives me the right to vote on whatever. It removes citizenship. It removes borders. So if there is somebody who wants hmm. to enact change, something like a DAO would be a really powerful tool to do that. Now, there could be a DAO that wants to raise enough money and capital to change the, the sigil of the United States from an eagle to a duckling. And, and maybe there's someone somewhere who says, okay, for $60 billion, you can do that. And they'll be like, yeah, okay, we're going to raise that money and we're going to fucking do it. You know, I mean, it, it, and again, this is all about whatever the project is and the community behind it, you know, like, you and I have had conversations about Sheep Token. One of the things that they've tried to do is establish a community, but it became, I feel like, you know, and I think that community exists, but it became more about like its meteoric rise versus like what utility does it offer? Um, and I think this is where like, there's all sorts of conversations around like what you're trying to do, how you're trying to achieve it, what the transparency is. And I think the blockchain is a way to, Kind of really have a lot of transparency which is really interesting especially for projects that, that you is might interesting. care about that'd be interesting if if companies started creating essentially not what the iteration is now of a dow but some some evolution of that where you'd go mm -hmm. to work at an actual company say mm -hmm. you worked at a a aerospace company and within mm -hmm. your company's ecosystem, like you show up, you get your badge and you get your mm -hmm. DAO, whatever it is. Right. And then within that, as you said, there's some sort of token which can double as a currency. Mm -hmm. And then it would be interesting if in the metaverse, different organization, the meta world, different organizations, mm -hmm. the aerospace company communicates sentiment to the um to a, a mineral mining company communicates sentiment to a governing body uh, via representation of their their push or their pull. Yeah, yeah. Their lobbying was done that way, um, and and provided a uh, a transparency, but also a maybe in some sort of way a preventative measure against manipulation of that donation. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, because money gets lost so easily. Right. But what if the NRA or a rifle company wanted to make sure that this money goes to conservation? This money mm -hmm. does not go to politicians who change this, but this money right. goes to comp, you know, and I want to see this right. pass through. And, then and everybody could go on the blockchain and see, and see who's what wallet is You could, you could scan the QR yeah. code when you walk into a national park and you can yeah. see where, who's taking care of this yeah. place? Oh, yeah, exactly. Great. That would be actually, dude, that's a great idea about starting Thanks, DAOs for national for national parks you should fucking like that would be really cool because then you know you walk into a place where it has all the donor lists on a plaque sure that's that's cool but it's a it's a beautiful plaque or it's a you know a donation of a wing to a library that's all great but it'd be really neat if you could do that too and then also scan your qr code and see like oh x wallet donated 50 billion dollars x donated 10 billion dollars 
you know, and then you could, you know, it I mean, lend like itself to trust as well. Yeah, like if an organization or a rich guy wanted to set up a philanthropic yeah. trust, however mm-hmm. you say that, trust, yeah, wanted the money only to go to certain places, maybe even yeah. embed that in its blockchain. I don't know. Yeah. And, and this is where I think like you, you're now thinking about use cases and opportunities that are facilitated by the technology which, which exists. And this is where I think like, you know, a lot of people focus on the financial gain of cryptocurrency, NFTs, et cetera, which is a major driver of change, period. So we can't discredit it. But now that 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 has become institutionalized too, and I don't mean it necessarily in a bad way, but it has been the amount of groups buying the coin, holding the coin, you know, like there is a, there is a financial sector to this space. People right? with money to burn are buying leverage, like right. leverage amounts. Yeah. yeah. That's, so that's, it's like, to, even cause I've looked at getting into mining, I guess I mm-hmm. still, I've looked into it recently. Yeah. So have we, yeah. then, then we look at the numbers of how many coins are remaining, for instance, on Bitcoin and I've it doesn't make sense so much... to set it up. Right. Yeah. And so that leads you to, well, do I mind something else that is maybe more of a speculation mm-hmm. and Hey, but that's, it, it, I don't know enough about all of it. I I'm an, I'm more of an expert in these, these, the finance stuff versus the actual making of the finance. Right. Well, I mean, that's okay though. I mean, like that's your lane and you're, and you're extending, like you're, you're not myopic in your scope, but you, you can see by, by understanding it, you can see how human beings are interacting in all these markets and not in like the traditional sense of market, but in like the sense of just like a trade, that trade can be a trade yeah. of your family life or, you know, yeah. Like miners of different yeah. so, currencies. It's and I think, I think that you now have like the sector, the financial sector of the blockchain, but the undefined part of it is how it's going to continue to interface with our life and what other institutions are going to come online and what that means for them and how they will change. You know, banking, for example, if you could have more transparency in banking, like that'd be nuts. It'd be nuts to to be able to really see, you know, like live transactions of what's happening and where and why. Now, a lot of those can happen uh, anonymously too. So there is, that's the whole thing about decentralized finance. You know, it's that it is not, it does not exist in one kind of coffer or in a group, but it is a decentralized, you know, network that people can transact on. I mean, I think, I think, you know, people want to say, oh, only criminals will use that. Well, okay, maybe, but no, because like already, you know, Already we're using all sorts of like think about the the think about Venmo, right? It's become a verb. It's become a verb or PayPal. You know, you can just PayPal me or Venmo me, right? Like what does that even fucking mean? It means that people are literally getting on their phones and they're sending money from their banks. It's not a wire transaction. Yeah, it's not a it's not a wire, it's not a wire. It's it's actual cash from your account to somebody else's account in a blink of an eye. And it is, it is replacing the way that we deal with cash on hand in our society. Because now, because of the pandemic, everyone was scared to touch everything, contactless payments, Venmoing, tipping, all this stuff. People are making money based on, you know, or, or exchanging money or transacting on these networks through these applications that did not exist three, four years ago. So that's already opened up how you can exchange money. 
and for what reasons. And you don't have to disclose why you have to do that either. Still, cash is king. I mean, like if I want the cleanest thing, I'll just give you, you know, the most anonymous. I'll, I'll, I'll hand you a grip of, of dollars of actual physical currency. It still has value. Like this is where, you know, people are saying, oh, well, fiat is dead or own. Oh, no, no, it's just another method of transacting. And, and you know, if, if I was to give you a nugget of gold, I mean, fuck, dude, you'd take that shit in like for a car, you know, because then I could say, hey, current value of gold at this weight is $25,000. Let me buy your car for this nugget of gold. <laughs> I only bring that up because the last time we talked, I'd you be so nervous really... driving to get rid of my gold. Oh my God. But you were talking about how like prospectors would have to pull up in a wagon and like have gold dust that they'd have to have weighed at a trusted source for the actual, I mean, it gets, it's nuts, dude. It's nuts. And, and, and this is some one point part of guys that... like I have, cause the problem I mean, he created, he, he starts taking all this cold out of the ground, just yeah. piling yeah. it up. So he's been the one that created the problem. Now he's got to carry the whole thing around. Yeah. But that was a serious problem. It's like, fuck, dude. Yeah. My donkey. I think got it a still ankle. is. <laughs> yeah, I can't even care. Yeah, or you find a vein and then you die in the shaft because you your dynamite fell off when you were trying to blow up a hole into the ground. I mean, like, dude, talk about entrepreneurs. Sometimes I think about those fucking modern miners just, don't have to deal with any of that. Shit. They don't. They don't. The only thing is they, they just have, have to, to live in Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or 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 a Chinese uh, f- f- village. Which, That's an example of something that I thought was great for the redemocratization of Bitcoin because you were talking about the big money in it mm-hmm. that China cracked down in order to push their own cryptocurrency technology, mm-hmm. but yeah. how they removed a lot of those miners that were what are they literally in mines, right? Like old I mean, mines. They were like old, cold they places were just like farms and, you and know, just all this cranking, yeah. cranking out. Well, yeah. it was over 50% of the Bitcoin. It's insane. Time, right? It's insane. Yeah. And they, that is basically gone for now. And that's great. Yeah. I think it is great. I mean, it, 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 it means that, you know, there's more, I, I, I you know, it, the, the thing that China is doing, I think is it's not about finance. It's not about, the metaverse, it's not about democracy. It's about hegemony. China. Yeah. And and that they're okay with that. I don't know. I don't That's know enough to, talk, to speak to us. That's their but, style. But, but but that is an approach that is unapproach that is real and happening. And it has geopolitical consequences. It's pr- it's and practical. It's there's a practicality to when you get really deep philosophically into it. It's a bummer for the individual. It is kind of it kind of is an inverted individual curve. But it's but it's it's a benefit for a nation nation. and a collective. And sometimes good stuff happens. Like these kids are going to get their certain types of social media limited by law Mm -hmm. now. Um, Right. They've they've instituted those like remasculinization programs as well. Mm Um, so those are interesting, you know, so, sometimes maybe they're good byproducts that will maybe be better for the mental health of, of their youth as an example, mm-hmm. but also they dictate how many youths there can be shit like that. Right. So, I mean, it really is a control. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's about, it's about control. A lot of Chinese people have a big problem with that. And, and they sure do. They sure do. And I think what's really interesting, and again, I'm not a historian or anything like that, but when you talk about a, like a ancient civilization that has had so much success for such a long period of time, navigating a piece of land that is as vast and to be able to 
have one form of government you know, a few different types of languages ultimately based on the thousands and thousands of miles, but pretty much had like centers of governance and control. It's, 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 it's crazy to think that they were able to be as successful as they were. And yet I think some of those tenets they're bringing into the modern age of how they were able to create such a vast, you know, and, and storied history. And think about like how the size of China and the amount of dynasties that existed and the different, the different, you know, powers that be. And, you know, we talk about Europe, we talk about all that stuff and that was vast tracts of land as well. But I mean, there is a reason why there is some of that success from the past being echoed, I think, in the way that they're addressing the challenges of the future. And it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. For sure. What do you see as... I think that the in the NFT market is saturated and I think that it is mm-hmm. in a bubble. Yep. And what cycles have told us about bubbles is they pop, but that doesn't mean that everything falls to the ground. Yeah. It means that it means that if for instance you like you're invested in the whole industry, you get fucked. Um, mm-hmm. but if you happen to be invested in a company that really has staying power and when that happens absorbs a lot of the technology that was good mm-hmm. from a period mm-hmm. they stay around yeah do you think that it is worth it to buy and hold some nfts do you think that it's only a good thing to do quickly or do you think it's a good thing at this point to just kind of unless you're a, a creator there are so many people trading that there's no reason to get into the middle of that and maybe wait until the metaverse uh, evolves a little more and you see some really remaining, having some staying power, showing multiple applications and, and then maybe mm-hmm. make investments in those. I think that's a complicated question for me. I think, I think the layman's understanding of what NFTs is and how people are speculating is really interesting because it is the same way that people speculate on certain companies and what their perceived value is. And, and also kind of the, 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 the way the NFTs differ is the community building and the utility that's involved in the token. Right now, that utility, except for some examples, right, uh, is pretty minimal unless you want to be part of a kind of organization like board api club that does like events and does all this stuff like parties and has benefits uh, of ownership personally i own my own nfts and i bought one again in the very beginning as a as a kind of a uh, an experiment so i i don't know about buying and holding nfts i think there are people who are way more versed at that who have done very well financially i think i think there's going to be, a, there is a bubble, it's going to pop. But I think also what really has the staying power is the future use cases around what NFTs are going to mean for like ticketing, for events access, for, you know, all sorts of other weird little industries that that are going to become changed by by NFTs in general. And I think that Right now, I, I can't really say what the right thing to do is. I personally don't have any NFTs. Um, if I really liked an artist, I've missed the the boat, right? Like there was a couple of artists that I considered in the very beginning. 
And that's again, mostly based on like their clout. It's like a new type of social media, but I would be paying attention to what's happening in the background to the, the different projects that are coming online to the type of interfacing with current ecosystems that, that evolve. That's where I would put my money. Like if there is a, a company that goes public, that is a, you know, an interface between let's say the blockchain, like something like Chainlink, right. Or, or, you know, some sort of a marketplace, right. That might go public. Like if, if OpenSea goes public, maybe I'd invest in that, you know, because that marketplace will continue to do stuff, but the NFTs themselves, you can speculate. You might, there might be an artist that has just started putting them out. Like Banksy just started listing his stuff or, you know, there's some like, like streetwear collectors, like people who collect stuff. Sure. They'll probably be able to make a lot of money the same way they did buying sneakers, the same way they did buying Supreme stuff. You know, there is a market for that. And that's a very real use case. I don't live in that space. I don't understand that. I don't have the desire for that. So that's me personally. Now I'm making NFTs because I like to draw and I think it's cool to make them into NFTs because if someone wants to buy it, then they'll buy it. Then I'll make a little bit of money. If they don't, they, they don't, you know, the our art thesis, still exists. Our thesis is that if you are an artist, because it is so inexpensive to create, you should be minting NFTs as, and as, uh, part of the art doesn't mean your art needs to be digital it mm -hmm. just means you might as well make an nft version it, it should be part of everybody's i think i think monetizing your social media presence i think making your art making it collectible having a community of people who want to buy your art you know leveraging your instagram your your instagram really for money like that works because that, um, that's that's been a cyclic problem throughout history mm -hmm. where artists always have their their shit poached and so yeah, this yep. is this is the techno the attempt yeah, to correct the tapping that. we're trying yeah. we're trying to correct it so the more yep. people use the the more artists create nfts because it is cheap again and for anyone who hasn't done it you basically to use a system like OpenSea, you have to pay something. I'm just generalizing, but it might be $75 to get the the whole thing established and verified that you are the artist. And then you can mint, you can create your your painting that you did. You can create the the NFT version of that for essentially free. Like you can you can. It's not just you make one. You could make all of your paintings for no extra money. You could make them free for free and then you sell them and mm -hmm. even if they don't sell for much even if they don't sell the more artists who participate gives us a, a bigger data set and and those nerds who are tapping can then use that information to try and fix the problems that come in as the the really wealthy people or the the publishing companies etc cetera, etc cetera, try to poach on artist property and they can I, do more yeah. work to protect it i think there's a couple of things that i would i would say to that Right now, because of Ethereum and because of the way OpenSea is, I, I would try to find a more cost-effective way like to go on a different blockchain. It, like if Polygon is based on Ethereum, it's a, they, they're trying to improve lower you know, gas fees, et cetera, because ultimately it should really be free. It should, in theory, be free yeah. to, to put something on there. Now, I would say if somebody is an artist they don't lose anything by minting some NFTs and, and getting into the space. Um, I think, I, I think that they also can 
be very creative in how they position themselves in, in, you know, social media, in the economy of NFTs to maybe make more money or maybe not. But one thing is for certain is that it is creating opportunity in a lot of different ways. Like for example, if, if no one buys your NFTs, but somebody sees that you're putting your, you're making your art there, well, they might want to have a conversation with you about it just as somebody who who had like, it could be someone who doesn't know what NFTs are. And then it could be, you can have a conversation and it could open up a whole nother kind of like consultancy or a whole nother kind of, cause you're, you're the expert by cons- comparison to somebody who hasn't done it yet. Right. And you're only, your expertise is maybe six months older, but just because you've done that, you have the opportunity to say, Hey, I've minted some stuff on the blockchain. This is what I've done. You can continue to grow your knowledge. And so it's not just your artwork as the value it's okay. This is a, an individual who's taking a risk, sure, but but there is a desire to understand more about the space, and so maybe yes. you can you can become it, your art is a facilitator to to be able to become involved in other projects in the future, and I think that that's what's really interesting about kind of all of this and just understanding it is that you just need to create more opportunity. It doesn't end with your minting or selling of one thing. It should be constantly trying to like piece apart, just like with the markets. You can maybe make some really good trades and make some good money, but does it end there for you? Do you pull it all out? No, you probably continue to take the learnings that you've had, the mistakes, the wins, the losses and say, okay, I fucked up there. Like I can't, I I don't want to do this. You know, again, I, I need to learn from this. And I think, this space is very fluid and ever changing. So, uh, you know, every day there's new projects being launched. Nike just acquired um, an AR metaverse fashion company. I mean, like, look at what the big players are doing in the space. That's what I would say, like, just to circle back to your question about what I invest in NFTs. Look I don't at know where the big players are investing. Look at where they're look at what they're buying. If Nike's buying AR stuff, it, you know, if you know that Google Glass if you, so if you know that Facebook changed to Meta, right? And they own Oculus Rift, all right? So keep that in the back of your head. Then you know that augmented reality shopping for shoes, right, is happening. Then you know that Amazon uses AR technology already to do stuff. And what's one of the biggest challenges that people have is, is getting returns from Amazon. You know, if you could affect, let's say the margins of the returns, even by like, like a minuscule amount, just by allowing people to try and close an augmented reality to see if they fit, and then that technology gets better, you save the company money. And this is, augmented reality is here, okay? People need to accept that. We use, you know, heads-up displays and car windshields is happening. They're sick, I like them. You know, cars are driving themselves. Uh, Virtual reality is happening, okay? Uh, We're gonna be going to CES, and there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going to be happening there. Okay. Um, Unreal Engine is creating worlds with billions of triangles that look real. Okay. For video games, right? Those, those graphical systems can be leveraged. To I just do learned about triangles from that Crash Bandicoot thing. That's yeah, interesting. Right? That it's that so, the, the realism is actually made of uh, what you see on a video game a lot of times is tons of triangles put together. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and all I'm saying is that NFTs, the, the, the blockchain, cryptocurrency are fitting into these monolithic corporations, as well as the changing scope of how, how humans, how people do commerce or buy things or perceive value. So I would say pay attention to who's buying what NFT 
you know, or who's partnering with which NFTs, what NFT drops are happening. You don't have to buy any of it, but it could, it, it could affect the future of a company's trajectory, both positively or negatively. I mean, Facebook has gone whole hog into the metaverse. Why? Because I think they realize that the interface of posting on a chat board is a thing of the past, right? And that advertising revenue, keeping people engaged, having to leverage Oculus Rift or, or any sort of VR thing, gaming, all of this, all of this is like, it's all going to bleed into each other. You're going to be able to buy your Fortnite skin with crypto and then send it to your grandma who you and her play online and you have a discord chat going and it's going to, it's all going to be interconnected. And so we're moving more towards that. Um, and so I would say, if you like an artist that it's cheap, buy that shit. If they're doing a good job of building their, their community, cool, but just pay attention to who's the big players that are doing it. Cause they're, they've already been thinking about the last two years because they're seeing something in their business model that has changed because of the pandemic. And they're seeing the desire and the demand for these kinds of spaces. And they have way smarter people doing that shit. A reaction to the pandemic seems to be, it, it was ignited by being stuck and having the time. And now society seems to be more open to the movement towards the metaverse in a way, because if we have to get locked down again and we have no choice, we want yeah. we don't, we don't want to have the uh, complications of sitting there doing nothing. We want to be able to plug right in and keep on chugging and be familiar yeah. with that, that ecosystem. It's sad. Yeah. It is but it's, sad. It, it's also smart if that's ultimately yeah. where we're headed. I, yeah. I think reality, like I keep on going back to all those people who created all these amazing, you know, piece of technology and then buy a farm and retire there and limit their use of technology. And uh, I think, I think, you know, if you are, if you are able to make all that money and then retire to a place where you have the space in the outdoors you know to me that's really appealing but that's not for everybody and that's it's i don't even know if, you know, that's everybody. a pipe dream you know i mean but it, it seems that no matter what happens real it should life, be for like, everybody but yeah smelling <laughs> the smelling the flowers being in the sun all these things that really have true health benefits i think are like falling by the wayside and that's a conversation for another time but you know i guess play at your own risk is ultimately what I want to say with this stuff. You got to just do your own, do your due diligence, do your own research. Not financial advice, entertainment purposes only.